0: And we're back, ladies and gentlemen, on the Philippe Matthews Radio Show. Thank you for tuning in wherever you are listening around the world. During the past 20 years, Dr. Walter Williams' life uh, uh, has been dedicated, his, his commitment has been dedicated to researching and resurrecting the ancient Egyptian consciousness among uh, his people. Dr. Williams says that uh, he has gone from, uh, we have gone from African slaves to coloreds to Negroes to blacks and now African Americans. The information written in his book, The Historical Origin. Of Christianity is vital to our community at this time in world history. And he says this, there has never been a man that ever walked the earth in human form of any race, creed, or color by the name of Jesus Christ. I thank you, Dr. Williams, for being with me today. How are you, my friend? Dr. Williams, are you there?
1: Yes, uh, I'm doing great, uh, Brother Philippe. How are you doing today?
0: I'm good. I didn't I, I thought I had lost you. I was like, wow, all that great introduction, he's not there.
1: Right, I'm here. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
0: all right, so, you know, this is your work um obviously is is amazing. I have read the first book, The Historical Origins of Christianity. Uh I'm working on the second book, The Historical Origins of Islam. Um what I, there are several things in the book that I absolutely love, uh, and, and I admire your work tremendously. In fact, I found out about you from an interview I did with, doctor, uh, with Professor Kaba Hiawatha Kamene and Jeremiah Kamara, uh, and both of them uh, uh, love your work as well. Um, how did this research begin for you? Um, uh, and what happened in your life where you said wait a minute Something's not right here This doesn't make any sense
1: Well I um, stumbled up on uh, Finding out that there was Never been a man that ever walked In human form Of any race or color By the name of Jesus Christ By accident um, It's a long story But I will try to break through The chase of it Um, I I began at the age of 8 years old unknowingly looking for uh, our identity when I say our identity I'm talking about the Africans born in this country who were uh, called Negroes and other names Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted to know uh, who they were who they are what kind of history is attached to them but going back to when I was eight years old, I was sitting in a grammar school, and uh, my teacher gave me and gave the whole class a book called Little Black Sambo. Hmm. Uh, that Little Black Sambo, for the ones that don't know about Little Black Sambo, Little Black Sambo was an African boy who took the tag by the tail and went around and around a tree until both turned to brother. Now, in my uh, childish mind, I w- looked at this picture and said, "Well, then something is wrong with this. This doesn't make sense to me."
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: I I said, "It's got to be something better than uh, just uh, us Africans or Negroes, as they we were called then,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, to go around around a tree." and turn to butter and be named and identify as a little black Sambo.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I set out on a quest, not knowingly, just unconsciously, uh, I set out on a quest to find out uh, who we were and who we are. So I began to play music at the age of uh, 15 years old. Mm. And uh, I played the the music. so. It the saxophone. Okay. And of course, I come from a musical family. But okay. anyway, I met a man by the name of uh, Sunra uh just before I graduated from high school. That was in 1949. I met Sunra, uh a man old enough to be my father. Mm-hmm. And I began to uh, play with him. And. Uh, Around Chicago in small combos, I never played in his orchestra, the one that he uh, later created uh, in later years. But anyway, we're talking about 1949, 1950, 52. That's mm-hmm. when I uh around Sun Ra, listening to him philosophize and uh, learning to play music and uh, et cetera, et cetera, expand. Expanding my musical uh, career. And what he told us that we were descendants of the ancient Egyptians, the greatest people who've ever walked this earth, known in history as the ancient Egyptians. He told all the young guys who came around him that we were descendants of the ancient Egyptians. Now, by me coming out of uh, high school, I was being miseducated. In the school system of America, uh, it didn't, in uh, other words, it had no importance to me. When the Romans went to Egypt to receive their civilization, a big light illuminated inside of me. At that moment, bing, just like that. It looked at me like it was a thousand-watt light bulb lit up inside of me. So I made a commitment to myself. I said, now... I was told that uh, by Sun Ra that we Africans born in America are descendants of the greatest people who ever walked this earth, and informed mm-hmm. by the name of a, 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 of ancient Egypt. Um, so therefore, I must learn everything I can about the ancient Egyptians. So I made a commitment to myself. When I got back to America, I would give me a, a magnifying glass and every pictorial book on each of this depicting ancient Egyptian images and pictures in the book, I would take my magnifying glass to look into the faces of what's being put before me in these various books. And once I was convinced that what I was looking at via these books were people that uh, looked just like me, just like you look like us, Africans mm-hmm. in this country. So I was convinced at that point. So I've been on the quest ever since. Now, to get in back to your question as to how did I find out that there was never been a man that ever walked the earth in human form, been a race, people called by the name of Jesus Christ. Well, uh, I was in the studio of a friend of mine, he and I went to high school together. He was a professional saxophone player, like I was, and we gigs around Chicago uh, together, and uh, he was a big boss. So I was down in his studio one day while he was giving a saxophone lesson in one room, and he left me in, 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 in another room where his library was. So I went over to his uh, library case, and I was looking for any book that I could get on history And on Egypt
2: mm.
1: So I saw a book on the shelf Called The Outline of History By H.G. Wells And I picked that book up I didn't sound through the book I just picked it up and opened it up And right before my eyes Was a picture That I thought was The icon Of Jesus the Christ But under, under that picture that I thought was the icon of Jesus Christ It has on under there And then I began to read It said In the cult of seraphos He is spoken of as the Savior I said wow I said that's the same attributes that they give to this Jesus To Christ
2: mm-hmm.
1: And I read a little further It says He raises the dead I said wow That's the same attributes that they give to this Jesus To Christ Mm-hmm. And then I went on a little further and read that even after death, you will always be in the presence of this Jesus, uh, of this Christ, and of this seraphist, they said. But uh, I said, well, that's the same attributes that they give to this Jesus, the Christ. But they were talking about seraphist. So at that point, I made up my mind that I was, uh, uh, I was, put in a research quest to find out all that I could about survey mm-hmm. And once I found out and gathered all the information, it took me about 18, 20 years almost to gather this up because I wanted to be uh, historically correct because I knew that if I went out in the world and told the world that there's never been a man, that walked Earth in human form of any race, people called by the name of Jesus Christ. I better know what I was talking about. <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> right. Because uh, these Christians out there will destroy me, and I knew that,
0: mm-hmm. so I had
1: to. A uh, uh, hundred.
0: Christians, Catholics as well.
1: All Christians, no matter yeah. what denomination, oh. they uh, will try to hold on. Mm-hmm. To their belief in Christianity, and I knew this, so I said I better be historically correct. So that's, uh, Brother Philippe, how it all began, and, and from that point, uh, I was kind of hurt. I was really hurt for about two years because I was, um, I knew that my people, the African people in America and throughout the world, believe so wholeheartedly in this religion called Christianity and in this image, this icon called Jesus Christ.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: To tell them that there has never been a man that will walked to every human form of any race, people of color by the name of Jesus Christ, I better know what I was talking about because they will fight you tooth and nail, And mm-hmm.
2: they will, mm-hmm. or,
1: will make themselves uh, right and to keep on believing what they have been indoctrinated in to believe. So that's how it all started.
0: Well, you know, here's the thing, Doc, that I I also appreciate about your work and research is that, you know, in in some sense it's like, okay, well, he's taking my God away, he's taking away my faith. And in actuality, that's not the case uh, for the ladies and gentlemen who are listening to this program. What Dr. Williams has done is actually remove uh, the falsehood and allow you to have direct contact with your source. On page 100 in the book, Dr. Williams writes, he writes, you were born with a divine spiritual birthright, and that divine spiritual birthright has given, uh, has given, was given to you at the time of your birth by the he-she creator who used your mother and father as human instruments to bring you forth in human form. Now that is probably one of the most beautiful, most empowering um, statements of 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 my divine divinity that I could not that that no uh, fake biblical or or religious script could give me that I am one with the One, I am one with my divine Creator, and I have a direct connect and direct frequency and a direct contact. With my Creator, I thank you for 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 not just you know enlightening us about there is no there, there's never been such a thing as, as Christianity Jesus Christ. It's all basically prefabricated and made up, and we're going to get into how and why. But you also gave us like our connection to our to our divine to our divinity, and I appreciate that.
1: Yes, uh-huh. uh huh. You see, Brother Philippe, I tell people I have no right. To come into your life And tell you not to be a Christian
2: mm-hmm. That's not
1: my message That's not what I lecture on That's not what I um, Write on or anything like that I have no right to come into your life And say don't, stop, don't be a Christian mm-hmm. Why? Because I didn't tell you to be a Christian So I have no right to do that um, The only thing I'm doing Is bringing information To the African community To the individual uh who wants to grow, because right now, if you are still in uh, the belief in religion, because belief is the glue that keeps all religions together, one's belief. Mm -hmm. So, therefore, if you are believing in Christianity or any religion, that means you are not growing, you're not evolving, you are Mm revolving. So, it's time for us as a people, as an African people, to Uh, evolved. Now, getting back to one's own personal uh, spiritual uh, uh, divine spiritual birthright, uh, that divine spiritual birthright was given to you by your mother and father. You have seven billion humans walking this earth as human beings of all races, creeds, and color. Each individual that's walking this earth has They have their own personal God and their own personal goddess. Their own personal God is their father. Their own personal goddess is their mother. Now, their personal God, which is their father, and their personal goddess, which is their mother, had a sexual intercourse one day. And uh, your father released his sperm uh, on your mother's egg, thus causing the nine months of human development of incubation inside of your mother's body. At the end of nine months, you came out, each individual came out into this world as human beings, attached to their mother's umbilical cord. That umbilical cord was cut by the doctor uh, to separate the child from its mother. But the umbilical cord for nine months uh, was your lifeline of development as a human being. That that umbilical cord furnished the human being with air, water, and food for nine months. So now it's time for you to come out of your mother's body a a, a complete uh, human being. That umbilical cord was cut, All separating you from your mother But what You still had at that time You still have it If you're still alive At this moment that I'm talking You had life Inside of your being As a human being Mm
2: -hmm.
1: That life That you have at this very moment Is your your Indwelling Divine Spiritual birthright Mm -hmm. That's your birthright That was given to you by your mother and father, your creator and creatress. They're the ones that created you. Not an invisible God that is floating around in your head. Not an invisible God uh, or any God that's attached to any religion. Mm -hmm. So one really has to understand that. Second uh, thing that you uh, really have to understand is that no human on earth was born with a religion. Mm-hmm. No human came here on Earth a Christian, a, a, a Muslim, or Hebrew Israelite, or Jew, a Buddhist, or any type of man-made religion. Man created his religions for man to control the thinking and the actions of man. Mm-hmm. You know. Going back to Carl G. Woodson, he said in his book, The Miseducation education of Negro, which was written and published in 1933, if you can control a man's thinking, you do not have to worry about his actions. If he's been mm-hmm. trained to go to the back of a building or a house to find a back door, upon arriving at the back, if he doesn't find a door, he will make one. So you really have to understand about your uh, and dwelling divine spiritual birthright that was given to you as a result of your mother and father having a sexual intercourse. Wow. And your father releasing his sperm, which landed on your mother's egg. And from that uh, encounter started the nine months of incubation for you, individual humans, to come here on earth as a human being. Now, what you... Have also, uh, you have a personal connection with your universe and a personal connection with the omnipotent larger universe. Mm-hmm. You have every human is born with a pineal gland. What is a pineal gland? Your pineal gland is a sensor organ that sits in the middle of your brain. It serves as a receiver and a sender between you, the human being and your personal universe now your personal universe is your mind in other words if i cut your head open i can see your brains but i cannot see your mind your mind mm-hmm. is invisible air your 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 universe is is connected with the bigger larger uh universe which has no beginning and no ending mm-hmm. okay so, therefore, you and all humans are connected that way. So you really have to know that. Now, your pineal gland, the bottom of your pineal gland are, are your nostrils. Your nostrils carry the air that is distributed throughout your body to keep you alive as a human being. Mm-hmm. Okay? So uh, one really, really has have to, have to know that. And um, that uh, pineal gland also is a conduit that keeps you connected with your universe, like I said, and the larger universe, and that's where you can create. We, as humans, are little creators. Mm
2: -hmm. We can create
1: things. Now, uh, I don't know where you are at this moment. Uh, in your studio, but in your studio as well, I'm in my home, and I'm in my second bedroom, and I can see um, the bed, I can see rugs. I can see dresses, I can see tables, I can see mm-hmm. paintings on the wall, I can see lamps, I can see chairs, I can see uh, uh, murals, and et etc. Et now, everything that I see in this room came out of the mind or the minds of humans. Okay, now, uh this bedroom set that I'm looking at was created was in the minds of a human being, whether it's a male or female, in an invisible form. In other words, the bedroom design of this bedroom set no human could see it but that one human being who created it. You see now, so uh, I'm getting to this point: everything that I see in this room, everything that you see in your room. Where you at, Philippe, um, was created by man or a woman, Mm -hmm. okay? But everything that is in this room except for for me, everything that's in your room except for you unless you have some other humans there, everything in that room is dead. Mm -hmm. In other words, man or woman
2: singularly
1: cannot create anything with life in it by themselves. They can only create uh, humans with life in it, pro-life. They can produce that by having a sexual intercourse like your mother and your father did, my mother and my father did, and the 7 billion humans that's walking this earth of all race, creation and colors, their mother and father did the same thing, mm-hmm. you see? But singularly, your father and my father, singularly, your mother and my mother could not create anything with life in it. Can't do it So that's what I wanted to bring up
0: uh, uh, At that point Absolutely well, I mean, You know I, I had um, Dr. Rob David Imhotep on my show And he did the uh, wonderful research um, Took Dr. Van Sertima's Work to the next level He wrote a great uh, piece of research Called The uh, First uh, uh, Americans Were Africans And you know he dates back That we were the first To, to, to be on this planet Um, and that uh, what you're saying in terms of your research, Dr. Williams, makes so much sense because there was a time before the Eurasian was even here. There was (laughs) hundreds of thousands of years prior to their arrival, and it doesn't make sense that if we have always been here, uh, that there would be some type of religion of any sort that is, that is at best two, the three, maybe 5,000 years of age. But we've been here on this planet, Egyptians, Africans, uh, 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 you know, people from Kemet, Uh we've been here hundreds of thousands of years. So we have always had an original divine connection to our source. It wasn't until the Eurasians showed up that the world literally became distorted. So you write about this in the book. And let's talk about, you say the Greeks and the Romans, uh, this is on page 69, 70, the Greeks and the Romans came to Egypt as pagans and heathens without any gods or spiritual awareness. Very important to understand, without any gods or spiritual awareness. Bringing with them um, uh, an agnostic, physical, brutal, uncivilized, savage lifestyle, Void of knowledge of the creator. Speak to us about that, Doc.
1: Well, let me first address this. Uh, No human on earth uh, can say who was the first people on planet earth. That's something that uh, humanity will never know. Okay, and I will break that down. So, therefore, we can't say that the African was the first uh, people on Earth. But what you can say is that the African that lived in, in the continent of Africa in Egypt were the first and only civilized people on the planet Earth. And you can set that and back that up by them creating the world's first alphabet. Um uh, to make that so, the alphabet uh, is the first thing an individual human learns when they go to school.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That alphabet makes that human literate, makes that human to be able to read, write, and spell. So therefore, our ancestors, of the ancient Egyptians, were the world's first literate people on planet Earth. Why? Because they created an alphabet. Okay. Now, um, getting back to uh, the reason why I said you can't say that we are the original peoples. I heard that statement, that we're the oldest people on the planet. You can't make that statement. And I'm going to tell you why. It sounds good. It it makes your individual feel good, maybe. I don't know. So, We want to be historically correct when you make statements. Um, The reason why you can't make that statement is this. No human on earth can tell you what, how, and when, and what created the sky, the stars, the planet, the moon, the sun, air, Earth, water, vegetation, animals, and humanity. No human can tell you that. That is called um, a mystery of life. That is creation. You look, and see, man is in creation. He's part of creation. So now that's number one. Number two, no human on earth can tell you what created the first man and the first woman to ever appear on planet Earth? Can't tell you that. That's also called the mystery of life. You will never ever know that. It's not meant for us to know those two those those two things I just mentioned.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Three. Right? Um, when an individual goes to a funeral and looks down in the casket of his deceased, the question has to be asked. Where did the spirit of that human go after he uh, deceased, being in existence as a human being on earth? Where did his spirit go? The answer, don't know. It's called the mystery of life.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: The fourth thing, and this is the culmination of why an individual human don't know and cannot make a statement that we Africans were the first people on this planet. Like I, Again, like I said, we can say that our ancestors, the ancient Egyptians, were the first civilized people on this planet. Why? Because they created an alphabet to document their time on Earth. Mm-hmm. You see, there are Five ingredients that make up uh, the discipline of history. Time, people, places, events, and literature. Literature is used to document the time, people, places, and events.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay? Now, let's go back to why you will never know what creates the sky, the moon, the stars, the sun, the planet, uh, earth, air, water, vegetation, animals, and humanity. What creates the first woman? And man on earth, where does the deceased the, the go after uh, after after death? The reason why no human can tell you that is because no human on earth can tell you how they got here on earth as a human being. Can't tell you that. Now, uh, you can uh, let's say talk for sure that every human had a mother and a father. Okay. Okay, that's a given. Okay, what did your father do uh, and your mother uh, do? They had a uh, they had a sexual intercourse, and your father uh, released his sperm that landed on your mother's egg, thus causing nine months of human development in her body. And at the end of that nine months, you came out as a human being. That uh, you can account for the seven. Billion humans, or all races, creatures, and color coming into this world in the same manner. Now, but uh, if I ask the individual, how will you develop? How did that development happen? Were you conscious of that development inside of your mother's womb for nine months? The answer would be no. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second question, uh, what uh, what month did your eyeballs come in? What month did your feet come in, your arms and, and legs and etc.? You don't know. Mm-hmm. Oh, let's go oh, beyond that now. Now you're here on planet Earth as a human being. So I asked the question to Brother Philippe Brother Philippe, at what conscious age in your memory can you tell me? that you found yourself here on earth as a human being? What age?
0: What age did I find myself as a human being? Uh-huh. That I became consciously aware of that? Yes. I don't know, maybe about four.
1: Okay, stop. So you said uh, four years old, right? Yeah. So from zero to four, you have no conscious memory of Philippe Matthews, do you? No. Okay, now, uh, at four years old, you found yourself here on Earth. Where were you living?
0: Uh, Well, I'm in in Chicago with you. I was just where I was
1: born. You found yourself at four years old in Chicago?
0: Yeah, well, that's where I was born and raised, but, I mean, I don't know if I found myself. I just know I was, you know, that's where I was.
1: Okay, that's where you found yourself. (laughs) Do you know where you were? (laughs) And okay.
0: so send in a shout-out to those, those uh, good folks in Woodland area.
1: Okay. So now, you found yourself here on Earth, planet Earth, as a human being at four years old, living in Chicago, Illinois, Mm-hmm. Uh, belonging to a certain race of people at that time were called Negroes. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, you multiply your experience, Philippe Matthews' experience, and you multiply that experience uh, to, to equate to 7 billion humans walking this earth. The Chinese cannot tell you how he got into China as a Chinese. He can't tell you that he found himself there. Mm-hmm. The Indians of India cannot tell you how he got into India as an Indian. He found himself in India. The European cannot tell you how he got into Europe as a European. He found himself there. The African cannot tell you how he got into the continent of Africa. He found himself there. The Mexican can't tell you how he got into Mexico as a Mexican. He found himself there. The Filipino cannot tell you how he got into the Philippines as a Filipino. He found himself there. So that's my point. And that's the reason why no human on earth can go around and say, oh, we're the first, uh, we're the oldest people on the planet. You can't say that because you don't know anything about your own self.
0: So, in terms of anthropological science, archeo- archaeological science, and all of these bones and, and things that they have found that have been carbon dated, that uh, both white uh, scientists and uh, 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 African scientists have all said that, as far as they know from what they have uh, excavated and uncovered to this date, that all life and civilization began. Uh, in Africa, what does one uh, say to that juxtaposition against being found wherever you have been born
1: well see they can 't they can't say that it goes back back to them. You ask a uh, Mr. scientist, how did you get here on earth as a human being he can 't tell you. See, that's what he's telling you now by way of anthropology and et cetera, et cetera. It's his own personal theory. That's the leaky theory. Carbon dating 14, they don't use that anymore. University of Chicago carbon dating 14, they don't use that anymore.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: It's misleading. You see, so things, you really have to sit down and begin to think. Okay? So... uh, The the archaeologists and the the, uh, anthropologists, they can't tell you about themselves. They can't tell you how they got here. Okay? You can't say, We found some bones in Africa. call it the bones of Lucy. Supposed Hmm. to be the oldest bones on Earth. Now, how do we know that uh, the bones that that the leak is to found in Africa? called The Bones of Lucy, the oldest uh, human on earth, by way of a bones identity, how do we know that these, these bones, that they're identifying as the oldest bones, going to Lucy, how do we know that she didn't come from another part of the world and migrated into Africa and dropped dead?
2: Mm-hmm. We
1: don't know that. And then, if you go and fall for the bone theory, Oh, next thing you know, the Europeans, which they have done already, so they found some bones in Europe. It's the world's oldest bone of a human. So you can't, you can't go by that. Besides, I would suggest that one don't don't use that because there's too many tricks in it and too many holes in it that can be punched mm-hmm. to deplete that theory. It's only a theory. A theory is one uh, that one has to take three positions. Believe it, disbelieve it, or be neutral about it. Mm -hmm. So I would see the the, the, the anthropologists, the scientists, and so forth and so on. He himself or she herself don't know how uh, she or he got here on earth as a human being. You don't know that. You can, because you can't tell me how you developed during nine months. You can't tell me when your eyeballs popped in, your feet, your to, and, and your toes, and so so forth, your legs and arms. What month? How did you get here? You are un, you unaware of how you got here. How you are? All humans are unaware of their of their human development. Mm, Going back to what you said, uh, about, I ask you. When at what age did you find yourself consciously on planet? It was four years old. Mm-hmm. I, Walter Williams, found myself consciously at four years old too, right here in Chicago, born to a certain race of people. That's all I know.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: See, so now, and you multiply that expense to seven billion other humans of all races. They don't know either. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't care what position in life you hold. Um, uh, that individual human has the same experience as you and I. So that's what I have to say to
0: that, Dr. Felipe. I appreciate that, Doc. So give me, give me uh, your, your opinion on this. On page 73, you that before the Greeks and Romans, uh, who are one and the same, uh, entered Egypt, they had no god, goddess, uh, or gods, plural, uh, nor did they have an alphabet. Uh, they were uh, instead an agnostic, physical, psychopathic, illiterate, uncivilized European racist people. Who are not in tune with the spiritual rhythm of the universe? Speak to us about that.
1: Well, you see, you got to. Uh, if I ask an individual today, um, where would you start European history? What date and where would you start the Europeans coming on the scene of history for the very first time? where about on planet Earth did they appear? Okay. Well, now you get all kinds of answers from from all different races. Uh, Increase the color of people walking this earth, including the European. Okay, now let's narrow that down, and I'm, you know, giving you your, your answer. Mm-hmm. The European began his appearance on the scene of history in 532 when Alexander the Greek came into Egypt. In 532, our ancestors, the ancient Egyptians, those Africans who brought civilization to all of humanity in the continent of Africa, in Egypt, through their culture, had been uh, practicing using civilization as we know it today for 9,668 years before the Greeks came into Egypt. Mm -hmm. But when the Greeks came into Egypt, civilization was already developed. It was Mm -hmm. over with. John Henry Cocker would always say, when the Greeks came into Egypt, civilization was over That's true. Mm-hmm. Our ancestors, ancient Egyptians, had already d- developed uh, uh, civilization for all of humanity. Okay? Now, if you if you go and read the introduction to my book, The Show of Origin of Christianity, in that introduction, I, I believe it's on page uh, 15 or somewhere in there, it's I'm writing about. What was in Egypt When the Mm -hmm. Greeks came into Egypt And what they saw And they were in awe over it Okay So um, That is uh, Will be my answer And when they came into Egypt They had nothing to bring But terrorism Mm. That's all they had They didn't know anything They had nothing They couldn't read or write. They read literally. Uh, They forced the Greek language on our ancestors, ancient Egyptians. And our ancestors, ancient Egyptians, learned the Greek language and applied an alphabet to that language. And today, that alphabet that was applied to the Greek language is called the Greek for 520 years. I mean, I'm sorry, 620 years. That's it.
0: Wow. That's not a long time.
1: That's correct. That's correct.
0: That's not That's a fact. long time. A juxtaposition <laughs> against nine thousand years of, uh, of 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 us being civilized, creating uh, the alphabet before the 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 Europeans
1: came in. That's correct. So he he's only had a um, institution of learning for for six hundred and uh, oh years, that's it you see, and it was an African that came into Europe, into Florence, Italy where where the Renaissance were kicked off for the Europeans, an African by the name of Manuel Chrysler who came there in 1397 and to the curia the word curia, C-U-R-I-A means college, there in Florence, Italy And uh, it's like if you're in in your room, and if you go to the the wall switch and turn the light out, and then switch it back on. When he walked over into into Florence, Italy, it's a curious that they only had a handful uh, male students there, who were children of rich monarchs and rich merchants attending that school, and. Manuel Chrysolius was born in Constantinople, Turkey, which is called Istanbul, Turkey today. And that's in Northeast Africa, and it's known today and called the Middle East. Uh-huh. He was taught at the, at the world's first Christian church on earth, the Hagia Sophia. So when he went over from Northeast Africa into Florence, Italy, and in 1397 To launch and turn the lights on For the Europeans So they can begin Their renaissance era Okay And what he did He introduced the rudiments Of the Greek alphabet You see So therefore he had to go there And teach the ABCs. It's like mm-hmm. when you and I Went to school for the very first time We went to kindergarten as uh-huh. boys, okay? And when you went to kindergarten, you learned your ABCs.
2: Mm-hmm, uh-huh. mm-hmm.
1: Uh-huh. You see? So that's what he did. And he, he introduced the rudiments of the Greek alphabet. And thus, he, he hit that light switch, and the light came on, and the Europeans came out of the, out of the darkness into the light. Uh-huh. He did this African. You see? So... Um, there's some history that we need to know about the European. If you don't know um, the history of, of our ancestors, those Africans known in history as the ancient Egyptian, and I wouldn't use the term, I don't use the term Kemet, because that's misleading. That's taking away credit. From our ancestors Why? Because the world The people of the world The populace of the world Know our ancestors As being the ancient Egyptians They don't know anything about no Kemet Even though uh, our Scholars out here saying Oh uh, we should use Kemet Because uh, Egypt is is, is, It's a Greek word Mm -hmm. Okay But it's a Greek word Coined by the Coptic Egyptians themselves, for themselves.
2: Okay,
0: okay, okay. The
1: okay. Greeks had. They had nothing to do
0: with that. Okay, now that's that's enlightening because I that's that is one of the arguments uh, about using the you know using the term Egypt versus Kemet. and you're saying e- the Coptic Egyptians, uh, is is the ones who created the the, the name uh, Egypt. Now, uh, Egypt, we're to get yeah, deeper Egypt. into this. But talk to us about the Coptic uh, Egyptian and who these people were, because it is due to the Coptic uh, Egyptians, who, in a sense, I I, I don't know if I should use the word betrayed or if they were cohorts to uh, actually create and and play a role uh, in the the, uh, creation of this false deity, uh, called Christ uh, Based on Serapis and, and Ptolemy And I'm getting ahead of myself But first explain to us who the Coptic Egyptians were And then we can go deeper into the history And start unpacking how G- how This false god was created
1: Well see the word uh, Coptic Egyptian Is another name Historically for the ancient Egyptians
2: Okay you see?
1: So therefore They were called uh, Coptics uh, by way of um, identity um, by way of history and uh, it could have been coined by by themselves i mean they, they, they could have coined that name for themselves, but I doubt it I think uh, later on in the in the history as we progress in history uh, you find that Uh, historians, instead of saying the ancient Egyptians did thus and thus, they said the Coptic Egyptians, you see? Now, when you look up the word Coptic, the word Coptic means a direct descendant of the ancient Egyptians. That's what the the word Coptic means. Mm. You see, to to try to uh, take the the glory uh, and the credit away from our ancestors, the ancient Egyptians, by them being the first and civilized people on earth, by them bringing forth civilization for all of humanity, that every race of, uh walking this earth are using uh, that, uh, that, that civilization that came from that one culture mm-hmm. in Egypt, from the ancient Egyptians, see? So now They don't talk about the ancient Egyptians. They say this Coptic Egyptians, you see? And then they stop talking about the Coptic Egyptians and they talk about the Moors,
2: Mm -hmm. you see? Mm
1: -hmm. Now they stop talking about the Moors and now they talk about uh, this black or Negro, see? So now if you understand the word black and Negro is synonymous, a name given to a, a... a a Coptic Egyptian living in North Africa, in the countries of Morocco and Mauritania and other uh, countries along uh, the Mediterranean, such as Egypt, Mm -hmm. Libya, Tunisia, Algeria, Morocco, and Mauritania, that uh, when the white Spain and white Europeans in Spain asked these Africans from North Africa to come into to Spain and bring civilization to them. These Spanish-speaking people call those Africans who were descendants of ancient Egyptians, who were known as uh, Coptic uh, Egyptians,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, came into Spain and brought civilization in Spain. And while in Spain, these Spanish uh, Europeans call these Africans black or the word black, I said, is synonymous with Negro. Mm. You see, so therefore, um, uh, you really have to understand that. So therefore, you got. Let's take it down from the top. Maybe I'm deviating a little bit, but anyway, let's take it down from the top. Um, we're gonna go back to the people who brought civilization to this world: the African people. They're known in history as ancient Egyptians, living in the continent of Africa, living. In a country in Africa called Egypt. From that culture, from their culture, they developed civilization for all of humanity. You see that? Now, uh, history has uh, tried to cover them up. They okay, tried to make them white and uh, try to take Egypt out of Africa, and they did a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Now, the same. African ancient Egyptians are known in history as as, as Coptic Egyptians. But now, like I said, when you look up the word Coptic, you will find that the word Coptic means a direct descendant of of the ancient Egyptians. Mm -hmm. Okay? Mm -hmm. Now, let's go back. These same Coptic Egyptians are now known as the Moors. Same people Mm. So the Moors. The Coptic Egyptians and the ancient Egyptians is one and the same. Mm, okay. Now, let's take this bring these Moors into into the, into this hemisphere of of the Americas. Okay, here they come over here with Christopher Columbus. Okay, so now uh, in 1492, see, so now, uh, because, white Spain and the Roman Catholic Church. Wanted to get rid of these Moors out of the country of Spain and out of the, out of the Vatican. See, people don't realize that the, these same African Moors that brought civilization into Spain by, by the Spanish asking them to come in to do that. They didn't invade in there. If they invaded in there, then they would dominate the Spanish people, and all people don't have no. Uh, don't have no spirituality of dominating anyone or killing anyone or taking one's property or raping women not, that's not us that's not our ancestors so therefore we were asked to come in to, to bring civilization to Spain and if we came in as conquerors then uh, the Spanish language would not be in existence today
2: because oh, the conqueror that makes sense. Changes
1: yeah. the language of the conquered.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. Now mm-hmm. they were asked to come in to bring civilization to uncivilized, heathen Spain. And once inside of Spain, these people that the Spanish call black Amores, which is a nickname given to an African people, uh, crossing the Mediterranean from Morocco and Maria into Spain. Uh, when they got into Spain, they set up literacy in Spain by setting up a school system. They set up a government system. And they set up and began to build housing all throughout Spain, creating cities, uh, Toledo, Seville, Granada, Cadillac, etc., etc. And they also introduced public bathhouses over there. Mm-hmm. Thereby introducing soap to the Europeans for the very first time. Mm-hmm. If you happen to uh, hear the the, uh, the History Channel, sometimes they will tell you that the Europeans uh, did did not start using soap until the 12th century mm-hmm. in Europe. See, that was introduced and brought into Europe by way of the Moors in in Spain. Okay. Mm-hmm. so, so now. Um, Here you have uh, now. Here comes the movement of the seat of Christianity. The first seat of Christianity was in Northeast Africa, in the double wall city of Constantinople. Constantinople today is called Istanbul, Turkey. And uh, in in, in 1439, John the Eighth. Uh, went into Florence, Italy and relinquished what is known in history as the Donation of Constantine to make way for the sea of Christianity to be moved from northeast Africa into Europe. Okay? Um, because he knew that it was imminent that, uh, that the Turks, the Ottoman Turks, would eventually Penetrate the, the double walled city of Constantinople, seize Constantinople, and, and seize the world's first Christian church, which is the Hagia Sophia. So, uh, 14 years prior to that happening, John VIII went into into Florence, Italy and relinquished the seat to, of Christianity to be moved into Europe. 1439, he did that at Triculia there. In Florence, Italy Like I said, Curia, C-U-R-I-A Means college And he, he relinquished that Authority And six years later, Eugenius IV And Nicholas V Went on the outskirts of Rome Over the catacombs And they began to build St. Uh, Peter's Church Now, who did they ask To come in to Spain A lot of I'm sorry, asked to come into the Vatican To do that it was the Moors, the, Roman, the, the beginning Roman Catholic Church founders asked these uh, Moors who had been in Spain for 394 years to come into the Vatican and set up uh, uh, what we know today as the Vatican. And they went over there, these, these Moors now, they went
0: and, there, and they, the Moors, you're saying the Moors literally built the Vatican because on, your, on the cover of your book, you said one of the signatures of, architect, of, of Moors' architecture uh, is the dome.
1: Correct. That's the dome. You see? So now, if you look because at the dome... dome they course. would
0: have no way, the actual Europeans, they would not have developed at that time that mm-hmm. level of architecture.
1: Correct, because they were only uh, uh, forty-eight years into the Renaissance era of learning. They were learning from the Europeans. So uh, these Moors, who were builders, because they came uh, by way of their ancestors being builders, of ancient Egyptians. You see, and you look back at the world's first Christian church, the Hagia Sophia, and the the picture of the Hagia Sophia is on my front cover of my book, The Historical Origin of Islam. You see that uh, dome building. Mm -hmm. That's the world's first Christian church. But then, that that church also served as the first prototype mosque for the later uh, coming of the religion called Islam. That's the reason why you see those minarets there on that picture on the front cover of my book, The Historical Origin of Islam. Mm. Okay. So, uh, well, let's go now.
0: back before we get too deep into it. Let's go back because I want to really talk about the creation of, of, of what you call this creature called Christ. Um, you, and you talk about it in the introduction. Christ was created from the image of, of Ptolemy the first. Is it Lagi or Lagi? Lagi. 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 Lagi.
1: Uh,
0: an, uncivilized, an uncivilized European who tried to get himself accepted. Into our ancient e- Egyptian ancestors' priest society, this is where it all really began. Walk us through that history, Doc, if you could.
1: Well, when the when the Greeks came into Egypt in 332 under Alexander the Great, uh, that was 332 BC. Now BC dates you count down. Today's dates that we live in, we count up. Okay, so now. Alexander died nine years later in 323. Now, in the meantime, he had plundered not only Egypt, he had plundered plundered Northeast Africa, uh, Syria, and Turkey, as we know it today. Mm -hmm. Okay? So, therefore, um, when he died in 323 B.C., they called a Dioduchi meeting. The word Dioduchi means... To find the successor Of Alexander the Greek mm. So um, Seleucus so Neketar Who Was one of the army generals Of Alexander Had control of Syria and Turkey Under that plunder And he went Into Egypt And he left One of his army lieutenants in charge Of his army and his uh, authority over there in that region of the world.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Okay? Uh, A man by the name of Antagonus. Now, when he went to this meeting, it was decided that Ptolemy I Lyghi would be in charge of Egypt and Seleucus Niketar would be in charge of Northeast Africa and Syria and Turkey. Now, uh, when he went back, Seleucus so Niketar Neca- went back into South Northeast Africa, he found himself and his authority to be usurped by mm-hmm. And
2: Then he
1: took off from that point and ran back into Egypt. And he told Ptolemy, he said, Ptolemy, I've been usurped by my uh, lieutenant that I left in charge. And so, totally one like leg, he got his army, and he went into North East Africa, in, into Syria and Turkey, and confronted and defeated Antigonus, and gave the plundered territory that Alexander the Greek had plundered back to Seleucus Nicator. So, therefore, when he did that, he was called the Savior. Mind you, the Savior. Mm. okay, because that word "savior" is going to be attached to this this Christ image
0: mhm- mm-hmm.
1: okay now
0: uh, so he's saving the legacy, if you will uh, he's, saying, he's, he's attempting to save the legacy uh of of, of 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 his predecessor
1: no uh-uh no no no, no.
0: So where does the savior come in? How, what is what is he? Saying?
1: So I, if 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 you somebody run you out of your house, and I go in there and confront the bully, and I defeat the bully and throw him out of your house and say, okay, come on, Philippe, you go back in your uh, the the threat is gone.
2: Mm-hmm. I become
1: okay. your hero. Okay, okay. You got that? I become your personal hero. I save your house. Mm-hmm. So therefore, totally one like eight. Was called the Savior mm, for that okay. for that purpose. You got you got it. Got it. So now, uh, let's go back to when Alexander came in to Egypt in 332 B.C.E. He saw this all this beautiful, tranquil civilization that was developed by our ancestors of ancient Egyptian, and he wanted they wanted to be made part of that, and that. They wanted to be accepted as a god and made into a god. That's what they wanted to be. He wanted his image to be made into a god to be accepted by our ancestors, the ancient Egyptians.
0: And so, what was, the, when, what was our spiritual practice of the, of, of the time? Because I knew we had priests. Uh, and that, you know, we kind of mixed up the term priest with religion. What was our practice of our uh, – uh, what was our spiritual practice and what were the roles of the priests? I believe it was the Coptic or Melkite uh, Coptic uh, Egyptians. What was, Walk us through that part and if you could connect the dots to that so that we can understand why they wanted uh, – and why this was so important uh, to them uh, to, to be made into
1: gods. Because our ancestors practiced – a underlying principle called the Mayan Creed,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which is consists of truth, justice, peace, love, and wisdom. You can say that they practice that on a religious basis simply mm-hmm. because uh, it was something that was made part of their thinking, made part of their lives, and that's what they practice.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Okay. And uh, uh, they also paid homage to uh, the three deities of the enni. The, the Ennead, the word Enne, Ennead, uh, which is, I call, the genesis of the ancient Egyptian. The genesis story of the ancient Egyptian. In that genesis story, you've got... Uh, nine deities. The first five is pertaining to creation. The last four plus one is pertaining to man and nature. Okay? And in that man and nature, you'll find Osiris, or was the male deity. And you'll find Isis As- set, the female deity. And you'll find Horus, Haru, the sun, the S-U-N. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Well, those are the main three deities of, of ancient Egyptian, okay? That was the foundation of their deities. Now, you had other other deities there, you know, but I'm speaking about uh the main one of the main mm-hmm. three.
2: Mm-hmm. I'm speaking
1: about the underlying principles. That they use, that they kept binding back to every day in their everyday lives, uh, which is called the and Creed: truth, justice, peace, love, and wisdom. Okay. Now the Greeks wanted to be made part of all of that. Mm-hmm. They wanted to be uh, made into a god. Alexander mm-hmm. wanted to be a god, and Ptolemy wanted to be a god, mm-hmm. and put into the, the temples and accepted by the secular community, accepted by the priests and the priestess in those temples as gods, equal to the ancient Egyptian gods that I just mentioned. Mm -hmm. But they were rejected because the ancient Egyptians did not associate or take foreigners into their uh, sacred society. They didn't take Mm -hmm. no foreigners in there. They did not race mix With other races Mm. Mm -hmm. They didn't do that Mm -hmm. They spread civilization Among the races But they didn't go there And uh, 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 Create babies with these Foreigners or anything like that Mm -hmm. And intimacy They didn't do that
0: So there was a a, In part of that there was a racial purity uh, That they they kept uh, Sacred Correct. Wow. So now,
1: here you have uh, these. Uh, here you have these. These Greeks under uh, Alexander wanted to be accepted into priesthood because they knew in order to rule and control Egypt, they had to be accepted into the priest society, mm-hmm. and they were rejected. So when Alexander died nine years later in 323. His army general told me one laggy called Soter, the word S-O-T-E-R, means Savior. That's what that word means. Mm. And I told you how he got, to, got that name and earned that name. hmm Okay? So now that name, that, 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 that word and name is are still attached to this Christ image today. He's spoken of as a Savior. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Okay, now, um, by Ptolemy wanting to be accepted in the, in the priest society of ancient Egypt, uh, he uh, asked the Melkite Coptic Egyptians. See, the Melkite Coptic Egyptian ran the government of Egypt. You see? Mm-hmm. So, therefore, they were the ones that were interacting with the Greeks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so he uh, totally asked uh, the Melchites to make him himself, his image into a God. And what they did, they found a temple in Memphis, Egypt where the priests and priests of that temple took two of their deities, Osiris, And the aphis bull, Ra, which represented Ra. And he made a composite name of the two Osiris and Aphus, the Aphus bull that represents Ra. And And then you got Serapis. That's where you get Serapis from, when you amalgamate those two names together. Wow. And And they gave that name to told totally me one, like he, for the purpose of trying to make him a god and be accepted into the priest society of Egypt, And he was rejected again at that point.
0: He was rejected so he again. Did,
1: okay.
0: huh? He was rejected for the second time. That's correct. And what okay. he did
1: correct. was that as a result of being rejected, he closed down all the temples throughout Egypt. Except for the one in Memphis, Egypt, and he housed all of those scrolls and books and artifacts into that one temple in Memphis, Egypt. They made him into a god, supposedly. You see, so um, that rejection went on for 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 302 years. See, the Torah man beginning with Alexander the Greek, 332. The word Ptolemy means Greek ruler of Egypt, their children. See? So for 302 years, the Ptolemies were in charge of ancient Egypt. Mm -hmm. You had 14 Ptolemies all together, starting with Ptolemy 1, like Mm -hmm. which is Serapis, and that Serapis image is known today as Jesus Christ. And um So how so, did
0: Serapis become the how, how did how did Serapis morph into uh the savior Jesus Christ?
1: Well through a process. A historical process. So for three hundred and two years, uh the Turtles tried to get our Coptic ancient Egyptian ancestors in the Secular community in Egypt to accept Serapis as a god They refused it So now 30 BC here comes the Romans The Romans Come in and take over from The Ptolemies in 30 BC And they can change the same Thing Okay Now we're going to fast forward up to 600 from the, The image was made in 320 BC This Ptolemaic Image Uh, Of the Greek Ptolemy Was given the name Serapis in 320 B.C. So from 320 B.C. Until the council Of Nicaea 1 325 Is a time Of 645 Years later They still trying Now the Romans are in charge They still trying to get uh, Our Coptic Egyptians In the sacred community To accept this, this image Of Tolanus as a god They still refused it mm. So um, What happened In 311 I mentioned three things Historically That brought about um, uh, The Council of Nicaea 1 In 325 Three mm-hmm. things. The Donatist schismatic controversy, the donation of Constantine, and a strong statement by Arius.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, I haven't heard no other scholar out there uh, bring forth this information. Now, uh, in 311, the Donatist schismatic controversy broke out. The Donatist schismatic controversy is a North African schism. That broke out in the secular community when Mansurius, a member of that community, asked by the co ruler of Egypt, uh, Diocletian, to uh, turn over the sa- sacred writings to him.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, Bishop Donatus. Uh, and the Metropolitan Bishop Secundus advised him against that. Said, No, you don't do that. You mm. martyr yourself like your predecessors before you. Don't turn over those sacred writings. But anyway he did it against the wishes of Bishop Donatus and the Metropolitan Bishop Secundus.
2: Mm. So
1: that is called and known in history as a Donatus Schismatic Controversy a North African schism that broke out in 311 in North Africa among the secular community of ancient Egyptians. The second historical event that caused the Council of Nicaea I to come about is known in history as the Donation of Constantine. Constantine at that time uh, of the Nassim Economical Council. He was the, uh, the Roman ruler at that time. And he he saw the split in the African community in the Central community. So he said, now is my chance to find someone in that community that will get the community to accept the so he approached a brother by the name of Sylvester Juan. Mm-hmm. And he made him an offer that's known in history as the Donation of Constantine. The Donation of Constantine goes like this. He says, Sylvester, if you can get your African Coptic Egyptian members in the secular communities to accept Sir Raples as their god, or as a god, I will give you on a temporal basis, on a temporary basis, my complete authority over the Coptic uh, Egyptian community, whether that's secular or the Melkite, you will be the head HNIC of that community. Wow. Also, I want you, uh, if you accept this offer, I want you to, Baptize me in your communities, the Coptic Egyptian community. Mm-hmm. And I will be just a member of your community. I will have no authority over it. You will have all the authority because I'm giving it to you on a temporal basis. Mm-hmm. So Beth accepted that. said, okay. The third historical event that I speak of in my book, The Origin of Christianity, mm-hmm. was a strong statement by Arius. Arius said that Serapus, today known as Jesus the Christ, was a created creature. dissimilar similar from the father, not like the father. Who is the father? The father is Osiris. A perfect creature, but a creature nevertheless. And those three things, the strong statement by Arius, and the donation of Constantine, the Donatist Christianity controversy, brought about what is known in history as the Council of Nicaea I. Constantine did not bring or call that council meeting. Why? Because he had no authority. He gave it away to mm-hmm. Sylvester. Mm-hmm. Sylvester, mm-hmm. the Coptic Egyptian, called that council meeting together. Okay? And once that council meeting was done, Um, that council meeting brought um, about the creation and the oncoming uh, development of Christ. You see, so I don't know if you have the time, uh, you know, for me to continue on uh, uh, at this point. But, well, what order. I'd like
0: to do is I would like to pick this. I would like to end here and then have you come back. And, and we'll do part two, because this is absolutely amazing, the history you just shared uh, with us uh, today. So is that okay?
1: It's fine with me.
0: All right, fantastic. Uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Uh, Walter Williams, Historical uh, Origins of Christianity is, is the book. If you don't have it, please go get it uh, on, on uh, uh, your favorite bookstore, Amazon. Uh, or you can click the link below that uh, this uh, interview will be posted, and uh, you can uh, have a direct connect to it. Um, thank you, Dr. Williams, and um, I want to call you back so we can get you back on the show and schedule part two because we're going to do an entire series uh, with Dr. Williams to unpack all of this and to hopefully, well, hopefully answer all of your questions, but probably end up asking even more questions and creating more questions. So, but this is the man to be able to answer and I Thank you for being with me
1: today, Doc. All right. Is uh, is it okay to give my email address?
0: Sure, absolutely.
1: Okay. For those who want to contact me, you can contact me at ancientegyptian at msn. dot com. Ancient a n c i e n t Egyptian e g y p t i a n at msn. dot com. You email me. Put your phone number there, and I'll call you back, and we can go from that point.
0: Fantastic. All right, my my good friend, as uh, you have taught me to say, meahotep.
1: Hotep to you, brother, and thank you for having me on your program.
0: Absolutely. Can't wait to have you back. Take care, everybody. Hey. We'll see you next
1: time.